FPL planning is getting messy. Hello FPL Surgery listeners, on this episode we'll be chatting to football insider Dean Jones, going through the key new signings to the league so far, discussing transfers we could see happening before the transfer deadline on October the 5th. We'll be discussing all three promoted sides and going through as many listener questions as we can cram in. Welcome back listeners to episode 184 of the FPL Surgery podcast. We are recording on the 31st of August 2020. My name's Rich and we're back for the second episode of the 2020-21 FPL season and as always I'm here with Josh. Now Josh I really enjoyed recording last week it was you know it was a lot of fun. Um, How's it been going mate? Yeah, It was great really enjoyed it thank you to um, everyone for their uh, you know kind comments and uh, appreciation on, on Twitter that was great looking forward to uh podcast number two tonight yeah we did i was actually quite surprised by you know how much feedback we got and good feedback as well you know on twitter on slack there was one that wasn't as you know as complimentary but it did make us laugh um so zypro from reddit he said missing the Iceman had to switch off after one guy said he was considering bench boosting in the first game week so he wouldn't have to worry about it for the rest of the season what do you think of that josh <laughs> I did say you'd get a bit of backlash uh, with that comment. Yeah, you no, you did say that. And I mean, I guess I covered for you and Hortz shouting Sigurdsson as a good asset. So, <laughs> but, but, I, but I stand by it. I do stand by it. I do think it's a, you know, it's a viable strategy. And it's all, you know, it's always good to look at different strategies as well. Um, and how did you feel? Obviously, we recorded it, we edited it. And then this the messy news came out, you know, right, right after we were ready to go. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's probably going to be the biggest game changer before the start of the season if it happens we'll find out a bit more soon from Dean we will we will yeah so speaking of Messi um, this week's guest is Dean Jones Dean is a football insider for Bleacher Report who spends most of his life talking about transfers so Dean um, thanks for joining us I imagine it's a really busy time of year for you at the moment it is yeah I mean it normally should be anyway I've just moved house actually so I've had the last week off so um, my foot's not quite as on the ball as, as it normally would be but um yeah, I love transfer season. Sometimes I actually prefer transfers to the actual games. That's how much I love I love covering them. Um, people just get so excited over the smallest piece of news that's hinting towards their team getting better. Yeah, what makes me laugh is, is sometimes that once the players through the door, people are like, "Cool, what's next?" And you're always looking for the next item. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun job. Um, you know, well, it's a dream job, really, isn't it? Co- covering football, watching football, covering football transfers. Yeah, it's a, it's a good life, I've got to say. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it sounds like a dream job, you know, to be to be working in football. And I mean, like you say, um, you know, people do get excited over transfers. And then when those players sign, they, you know, tend to slag them off or, you know, looking for that next, that ne- ne- next big thing. I mean, how long have you been playing FPL for? I'm- yeah, I mean, I've, I've been into FPL, I guess, seriously, I reckon five seasons, really. I mean, I think I did do it for a year before that, but didn't really pay much attention to it and just kind of picked the team and just left it and realised that wasn't what you do. But um, yeah, I think 2015-16 was the first time I, I took it seriously. And I think I got, um, looked earlier, actually, I was 66,000 that year, which wasn't too bad looking back, probably didn't, didn't really realise Generally, yeah, I've I've done pretty well um, until I've got to say, so I had, um, I've now got a two-year-old and a four-month-old and the decline in my um, FPL performances since the birth of my first child, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not a coincidence, Um, I've I've figured out, 
I thought maybe it would help me and I'd have more time to just sit there on FPL. But it seems like I've made a lot of bad decisions in the past 18 months or so, particularly, which I'll go into in more detail, I'm sure, over the course of the podcast. But a lot of it comes back to the fact that I decided to completely write off Mo Salah and decided that he was going to he'd peaked 18 months ago and I should get off the horse. And (laughs) that's a massive mistake, it turns out. So (laughs) let's see if I've learned my my lesson for the season coming. Well, well, there are some people considering no Salah this season as well. And we got a question on it later. But yeah, it's definitely a a high high risk strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I just just wanted to thank, you know, all of our patrons for sticking with us, you know, during this transition to to the new era, as it were. If you'd like to join the FPL Surgery Patreon, please just go on Google. You can type in FPL Surgery Patreon. I tried it on Ask Jeeves earlier. That also works if you type in FPL Surgery Patreon or you can go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Um, obviously, we want to do an extra special shout out to Andy Portlock, Vince Poyle and Ron Frosk. They're pledging at the highest tier. So they get this extra special mention each and every week. And yeah, once again, the guys, you know, th- thank you very much. And I know that Iceman is currently sending out a few prizes. So he's going to be popping down the post office with about 50 envelopes, I think. So we'll go back to the FPL topics. And our first topic is an interview with you, Dean. Um, so if you don't if you don't mind we just got we just got a few questions for you yeah of course yeah we're pretty intrigued so I mean first of all could you just tell us you know exactly what a football insider is well I mean traditionally it would have just been a football journalist I mean think back back to the days of newspapers which people don't tend to read anymore I mean your, your job as a football journalist on a newspaper would be to to cover football matches but also to to break stories and get insight on big stories and so whether that's you know, transfers or bust-ups or managerial changes. That's what my bread and butter was. I was a, I was a tabloid reporter before coming to Bleacher Report. Um, I've been doing it a long time, to be honest. I mean, I, I put, got my foot in the door when I was like 15 as a football journalist and work experience. And, um, you know, I had a full-time job at the age of 20 as a football journalist. So, I, oh, wow. yeah, I, I, I decided very early that this was this is what I was going to try and do. And um, it paid off. It definitely paid off. But cause it's a long path to gain contacts and all the rest of it. But as a football insider, that's what you need. You know, you, you literally are you're only as good as your contacts and you live or die by what people tell you. And it's, it's quite nerve wracking sometimes and you get, because you know you've got once a new person comes and starts giving you information for whatever reason you're you're in their hands and you're trusting them um it's only over time you you figure out who you can and can't trust on certain clubs or players or managers so it's been a it's been a real experience over the last 10 years or so um of really establishing myself and, and pushing on but um it's a really fun job how does um how does it com- compare doing the 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 stuff for, for bleach report versus the traditional you know, journalism of a, of a tabloid. It's less vitriolic uh, working for Preacher Report. I don't get, <laughs> I don't get, I don't get the same hate that I probably used to get on tabloids. Um, you know, people just traditionally, yeah, there's there's just certain parts of society that don't like tabloids, no matter what. It doesn't matter how right you are about each story, they're just not going to like you because of what you stand for. Um, I mean, I didn't work for the Sun, but you know, a lot of a lot of what happens comes from being tarped with that brush and the problem is you know a lot of the sun football writers are really good at their jobs and that and it's funny sometimes I see like some of the journalists will break a story and I read the comments and I just feel so bad for them because it's you know they're just they're just making a living you know and they can't 
if it's the son that decides to employ them, it's difficult to turn down a living, you know. So I, I love working for Bleacher Report. It's it's been great, and I've I kind of can write about whatever I want. I, I cover all five uh, major European leagues. I cover a bit of MLS, uh, Champions League. I can pretty much go to any game I want. It, it's really cool. I, um, you know, when you're on a tabloid, you're pretty much told what you're doing and what you're going to be covering, and there's there's a lot of you doing it. Whereas at Bleach Report, there's me and another guy, Sam Ty, as the main writers, and um, and that's it. We also have a podcast called BR Football Rank. Uh, yeah, I listen to it. Yeah, really, uh, really good stuff. Your recording studio looked uh, pretty uh, pretty nice compared to uh, our homes that we do uh, the surgery podcast from. Yeah, I miss it a lot. I've got to say, like since we obviously went into lockdown, we haven't been in there. Actually, we're never going back there because they've now sold that building, and so. We have somewhere got a new studio in London and uh, we have no idea what it's like or anything or if we'll even never see it. So um, it's a shame that we're also I'm sure it will happen yeah, all, in, so, uh, all in time. So what does um, what does a typical working day or working week look like for you? Or is it or is it like you don't even know or, 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 or kind of, I guess, could it change a lot as that week goes on? And also is every week and every day very different? Yeah, I mean, I, I have like staples to my week, like probably anybody else does. Like we record our podcast Tuesday for Wednesday. I'll have two big features um, scheduled, one for the start, probably for a Tuesday and one to go out on a Thursday or Friday. So you work, you work in across those three as your main point. I do an Instagram live um, transfer chat Q&A um, on Wednesdays. So they're the main points. And then it's, it really depends what stories are breaking. And, you know, if, obviously I'll tweet whatever little bits of little snippets of information that aren't big enough for a story. I'll, I'll tweet that. Um, I'll react on Twitter as well or, or on BR's um, Instagram on um, any any big stories. So obviously things like Messi and stuff like that. We've got to be all over that and making sure that we've got we've got something to offer to the situation because, that, that, you know that's that's where you have to be you know Bleacher Report kind of we pride ourselves on on covering those stories in in the best way possible on, on social media and um you know our Champions League coverage on social media I'd say is unmatchable to be honest I'd, I'd say the guys that do the job on that anyone not following BR football should should definitely do it because uh we've, we've managed to find the tone of you know covering the serious stuff but also putting um you know a light-hearted slant on it wherever we can so um it's just a really good place to work and yeah so a, a, a week varies but it's um it's kind of dependent on whether it's the transfer window whether it's you know cup finals coming up or whatever point of the season we're in it's mad that your job is basically stuff that people who don't work <laughs> in football are trying to do secretly you know while they're meant to be working like, i know yeah <laughs> i sometimes I mean, think that it, you know, if I'm like stressed about something I'm doing and I and then I'll listen to another podcast and think, hang on, this guy's actually got a normal job and he's like doing a nine to five and still managing time to to kind of do this. And um, yeah, I do have to sometimes remind myself that I'm very lucky that this is my full time job. But yeah. as I say, I, I did decide when I was 15. So it's not like it happened overnight. I did, no. I did work to it for a while. <laughs> Definitely put the groundwork in. Yeah, think of it. Yeah. And then if you've got match of the day on, that's that's work. So <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, perfect. I mean, what's your, what's your proudest moment? I don't, in terms of my job, I don't really ever feel proud of a moment. I think like, 
I've had some big stories. So I'd say like my biggest story would be breaking that Van Gaal was going to be the new Man United manager. I was the first one to have that. It was on the back page oh, nice. of Sunday papers. Yeah, that was that was a big one. But I wouldn't say I was proud about you know it's, it's you're just relieved to be honest when it comes true like that's that's more the case <laughs> <laughs> with any story I write it's, it's like you're pleased you've got a good story then the story goes out and you kind of slightly anxious about what the reaction will be to it and then you're just hoping it comes true um you know I mean most of the stuff I do I'm pretty confident in even if it doesn't happen then it's it's come close and there was there was certainly something to it but there's always the odd occasion when you know you'll trust a contact and it turns out that very quickly what they tell they've told you isn't right and just oh. to be honest I've learned that you just have to hold your hands up you know just be like look I just trust my contacts and this is what I was told on this occasion it wasn't right and you know it takes a long time to be able to accept that though and there's definitely been times when I, I've really let that that weigh me down i can imagine because i remember a couple of seasons ago there was a, a tabloid journalist who said that aguero might be benched against huddersfield um yeah and it turned out he played and he scored a hat trick and obviously in the fpl community what was his name? Was a, jamie is it jamie? i didn't want to name him but it was jamie jackson oh, jamie jackson, uh, it was jamie yeah. jackson was it? yeah i know yeah. the guardian wasn't it is it the guardian is it the guardian yeah he's been there for yeah. a long time um there's also don't forget last season there was there was that time when uh there was said that bruno fernandez and paul pogba had, had a collision <laughs> in training and and it turned out you know and i know that journalist as well and i took my captaincy off bruno for that and i think you? i wasn't the only one either i don't think he would have been and to be honest he's a really re- i used to work with that guy and he's, he's a really reliable journalist and he, you know clearly he just he had a bit of a mare you know he's had a mare and I felt really bad for him, but um, that was oh, thankfully, you know, I haven't had anything quite like that. But I think That's the worst thing, like had, when it comes to FPL, you got to think, um, you know, oh, I shouldn't have taken the captaincy off of him. But then again, at least I wasn't the news reporter that got it completely wrong. Do you know exactly, what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he's not going to just write that unless he was he was really sure. And he's, I feel so bad for him, but. Um, at the same time, as, a, as an FPL player, you read something like that and it leaves you in a real conundrum, doesn't it? It's like regularly happens that you'll read someone will tweet that a fake team sheet or that they've heard so-and-so is injured and it's like 10 minutes till deadline. And you're like, what do you do? What do you do? Do you just hope that they're lying? Do you hope it's a joke? But then there's times you do think that. I think there was a time with Vardy last season and I I just decided, no, I don't trust this guy. He doesn't seem to have any history for knowing anything about Leicester. And turned out he was bang on and, and Vardy wasn't playing. And suddenly your captain's not, not even featured in that game week. Yeah, um, no, I remember that one. I remember it clearly because I got Perez in because I, he'd be on penalties. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't always go right, even if even if you listen to, True, to, to yeah. that news. But yeah, I think just the final question, really, and I guess it links into what we've been talking about, would be if you have any you know funny stories. A few nightmares. I mean, I guess funny funniest slash worst thing that's happened to me is I mean like, I love a cup of tea I'm not gonna lie um and even when you know whenever I've been going into a game you know you go into the, the press room before the game and they put on food and drink and all the rest of it and and it's nice it's you know it's a nice perk to the job as well as being able to get to the, watch the game for free anyway there was one time I was at a Fulham game that's probably about four or five years ago now and um at Fulham, the row, anyone that's been there will know that Craven Cottage is a really tight stadium. There's not much between the rows. And I was quite late getting into my seat. Like The game hadn't started, but was pretty close to starting. Like The teams were on the pitch. And um, I 
I'd got a cup of tea and I decided oh, I'll, I'll take it out to the, to the game and I'll, um, I'll just get into my seat. But as I'm squeezing put down the row, I'm trying to get to my seat, I like trip and I literally throw my tea <laughs> over the guy in front of me who is a radio reporter. It goes all <laughs> over his equipment. His equipment <laughs> dies. He turns around at me and he's like, you know, fair enough. He's like, what are you doing? Like, he's, he's angry. And I'm like... Honestly, I was close to laughing because I was like, what do you do? What do you, what could you do in that situation? Um, and it was devastating. And the guy was so frantic. You know, it's, the game's about to start and he's got no line. He's, his equipment's covered in tea. It's dripping. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, so I get up in my seat and everyone's looking at me. You know, this is like... 40, 50 people around me all just waiting to see what happens. I'm wondering, you know, is he going to hit me? What's he going to do? Anyway, he really held it against me. He, I think he had to end up doing it over his phone or something like that. And I, he, yeah, I remember he, he grabbed me after the game and I, you know, I went to say sorry and at half time. He kind of blanked me. And then at the end, he said, you know, I would be paying for this. He would, he wanted all my details, and I was like, mate, come on, you, you know, it's not you, you work for a big enough company that they can replace the equipment. Like, I'm not replacing your equipment. Um, so it turned a bit awkward in the end. But um, so is that a funny story? I don't know. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> no, we both <laughs> laughed for sure. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you burnt him, but in a way, that was worse. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I burnt him. Luckily, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least he got um, he at least he'd got a better uh, line and whatnot. I was going to say I saw the um, the picture of you interviewing Pep Guardiola, and oh, yeah. uh, what's he like? Oh, he's a, it depends on actually where where you speak to him. So that the picture you would have seen on my Twitter is a Q and A that I did with Pep in New York for Bleacher Report, and it was pre-season, two pre-seasons ago now. And um, you know, City had won the league, and he was in New York, and he was relaxed, um, and it was like an, an audience of like I don't know, 150, 200 people, and it was just me and and him on the stage, and I had like half hour with him and he was great like it was it was genuinely a, a brilliant conversation he was relaxed and he was funny and he was really insightful um but I've also been in press conferences with Pep when you know he's not so happy or he's asked a question that he doesn't like or he doesn't respect and he just talked the person down and it's very difficult you know when you approach a manager and you're you've got a difficult question to ask and, and getting the tone and the wording of that question is so important that you get that right. But in the, in the moment, it can be really difficult because you know what you're going to say and what you're going to ask and you're waiting to like your time. Cause there's never in a press conference, there's not an order that you go around in normally. You're just, you just shout out your question and try and get in there. And I've seen people, you know, trip over their words and ask clumsy questions and people like Pep just, just don't take, just don't take to it well and they, they can make you look quite small to be honest um but fortunately yeah I haven't had that side of Pep and I've only had good experiences and yeah genuinely such a such a nice man and, and so so interesting oh that's Great. awesome awesome thanks a lot for that Dean Cheers, we're obviously going to get a lot more of your knowledge in the in the next couple of topics as well so our second topic it's it's new signings so I think what we do with the, with the first one is we've got, obviously, Chelsea have signed three players so far, Werner, Zayec and Thiago Silva as well. So I guess we start with Werner. Obviously, he scored 28 goals and he got eight, eight assists last season, obviously, in the league. What do you guys think about Werner? Timo Werner is awesome. You know, for my job, I, 
I've watched a lot of Bundesliga, but but particularly over the last two years, actually, is when I've really started paying attention to it because of, it's been demanded of me in my job. You know, his roles varied over that time. You know, he's played as a central striker. He's played off the left side. He's played as a support forward. But he's just got this this really impressive mentality. And it's that mentality that makes me think he'll be a success for Chelsea. I think this is a great signing. Um, I think that Liverpool are going to be really sorry that they didn't do this deal. I think that Jurgen Klopp's going to be gutted that it didn't happen. I think they're there has to be concern at Liverpool about um, about that front three eventually running out of steam. At least one of them, you know, they can't they can't just carry on and on with that front three, and they need some some real quality backup. And I think that Chelsea beating them to Werner is really really significant. Um, yeah, I think he's great, and I think I think it'll, most interesting thing I think will be where he fits in and in terms of the lineup where where they envisage playing him. But I'm imagining it will be through the middle. Yeah, I saw. I watched the um, the uh, preseason friendly on Saturday against Brighton at the Amex, the one that had I think two, two, three thousand fans. That they yeah, did, yeah. And I, I was shocked that he played through the middle to start off with. Um, and I know that's what we're all expecting eventually, but I just thought because Pulisic wasn't available and it was Werner's first game, I thought, oh, we'll probably play him on the left or put Giroud up front, you know, blend him into the game. Um, and he didn't straight through the middle. We had Hudson-Odoi on the left, Loftus-Cheek in the 10 roll, and um, uh, Zayac on the right. And, yeah, he looked he looked great. And he, he seems to me like, although he's, he's not a big guy up front, I mean, you know, Aguero's not big, and look how amazing he is. Um, but he does... A lot more than just playing as a nine. Like he, he was doing. He was, you know, coming back a lot, picking up the play. Um, so he's got that elements of, you know, Firmino or Gabriel Jesus, uh, as well as his goal scoring side. And I guess Zayach as well. So he went off injured, didn't he? And I mean, how did he look, Josh? I thought he looked great. He, he, he wasn't, wasn't really what I expected. I mean. I'll, I'll hold my hand up and be honest. My knowledge of European football is, is pretty average. I'm very much Premiership, and that and and that's all I all I focus on really. But he was, I, I'd heard he was a, a similar sort of player to expect him was would be like a Mares, but I kind of felt like he was he was a little bit more creative than Mares and less sort of getting in the box and that's obviously judging him purely on one game um but yeah he looks very very classy footballer um he's a little bit older than um than than Werner uh, I think he's about 27 so he's obviously in the peak of his career um now but yeah he, he looks like he's going to create um you know a lot of a lot of goal scoring opportunities for Definitely for um, for who, whoever's playing that nine role, presuming it's Werner, and I think also Pulisic coming in from the left. I think that um, some of the um, heights that Tadic hit playing on the left with Zayac on the right for Ajax. I think one season he got like 28 goals from the left, and they was their top scorer. So clearly that sort of right to left, I guess you'd call it like a Kevin De Bruyne type ball is 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 something that I think Zayac is, is quite famous for. And um, yeah. Dean, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but obviously you've mentioned Werner. He's 9.5 million in, in FPL. 
Um, Zayic is eight million and a midfielder. I mean, having seen both play, I mean, would you have a preference of you know which one you think was settled better at Chelsea or or both of them? Yeah, it's so tricky. I mean, Zayic is awesome. Like he's you know that last season when you know everyone's Frankie De Jong moved on and Matis De Ligt moved to Juventus. Actually, Zayic had been there for me was their best player. You know, he was. I was amazed that Zayic didn't go to somebody last summer. And Chelsea signing him is an awesome signing. I think my biggest concern with Zayech is how much he'll be rotated. I, it's the same with Werner. I don't know at this stage what we're getting from this this Chelsea team. I don't know how all these players are going to fit in. You know, Kai Havertz is still to come. I don't know if they see Kai Havertz as a wide forward, as a cent, as a false nine, as I think he'll actually be like um, a right-sided midfielder. I think he'll be similar to Mason Mount, to be honest. I think he'll be a number eight, Kai Havertz. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know how Lampard's envisioning this yet. And, and for that reason, I'm I'm just kind of stepping back from including any of them at the moment. You know, I had Werner in my team at, at first, and I, I just think that. Once the fixtures came out and I saw that Harry Kane had a good start, I thought, well, I've kind of got to go with Harry Kane for an extra million because I know what I'm getting. Um, you know, is Werner on penalties? Is Werner playing through the middle? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I feel I'll the same. One of those. Yeah, I think I'll end up with one of those. I don't know if I should start the season with those guys. I think the no, thing I, is as yeah. well, um, away to Brighton and at home to Liverpool first two, like, it's, it's a for me, it's a great, you know, see how they get on. Check out the system. I think if you want to go for one and he's fit and available, Pulisic is probably where I'd go because at least you know a little bit more what you're getting. And he's got, obviously, the experience of of, of last season um, in the Prem. But, yeah, I, th- I think I, I agree with you. You know, the likes of um, Kane or, or Vardy even, um, as, opposed to, uh, as opposed to Werner. And then you can always move down after those first, you know, in price to, 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 to Werner after those first two games because they've got West Brom away in game week three. I think that's quite a viable strategy. Yeah, I think Pulisic, if if he was back, and I thought I thought he was going to miss a couple of games, I think he'd be the first one on, on my team sheet just because I guess we know the situation, like you guys have said, you know, we, we, we can be pretty confident he's going to play. I guess the, the last Chelsea signing was Thiago Silva. Um, I mean, we don't know his price yet. The most goals he's ever scored in a season is three. And he's getting on a bit. So I think we'll just move on from that one, um, just so we can talk about the more exciting players. Ferran Torres has signed for Man City. He played 26 games last season, eight substitute appearances. He scored four goals and had five assists. I mean, he's a brilliant player. He's, he's you know, I've watched quite a bit of him um, last season. Um, and it looked for quite a while like, Dortmund were going to sign Torres as their Jadon Sancho replacement. And I think that that says everything about what Man City are getting. You know, you're getting Dortmund are so good at spotting talent that's that's emerging. And, and Ferran Torres at 20 years old is going to be sensational. And I think that Man City is a really good fit for him because of Pep Guardiola's style of play. He'll, he'll have the cutbacks and everything. You know, he'll get to the byline. He'll pull them back for the assists for Aguero and Jesus and all the rest of it. Um, my concern would be, again, rotation, because that that's what you're going to be getting. I, I imagine you're getting, you know, Torres and Riyad Mahrez will probably be sharing game time a lot of the time. And then I think it's worth remembering as well that, that Phil Foden's going to be playing as a forward a lot of the time for Man City. He was... Foden was brought through to be the kind of the new David Silva and, and play that midfield role. But um, I was told like 
about March, April time that, you know, Pep was really, really starting to look at, at Foden as, as more of an attacker now. And, uh, and I think we've seen that in big games that actually he is trusting Foden further forward. So you're starting to look at all of these these options up front now. And I'm just not sure how much game time Torres will get early on. He's cheap though, isn't he? Seven million. Yeah, yeah, he's cheap. I mean, in terms of, I mean, as uh, Rich said with his stats from last season, they're they're, they're not, you know, they're not, uh, you know, mind blowing in terms of his goals and assist numbers. But you know, a Man City um, asset at seven million. Um, but Foden is six point five is what I would argue, and I think that it won't see much difference in game time. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, suppose. No, you'd you like to that. think with the way that Pep manages that team, he'll he'll entrust uh, sort of Foden with with more minutes, like you say. Mm. I think yeah, it sounds like he'd just be one to one to keep an eye on. I mean, maybe down the line you could go for like a Foden, Foden and Torres double up if if they're both getting yeah. the occasional game time. But I guess they've only lost Sane, haven't they? Who wasn't really playing anyway, and then they've added him. So it almost makes you think there might be less minutes for everyone. If the one thing that would be interesting as well is, is, is where Bernardo Silva plays. Cause if Bernardo Silva drops back and plays more alongside De Bruyne in centre midfield and is more the David Silva replacement, that's then, you know, one of the right side spots, you know, freed up because you've then got Mares and Torres. Foden, I think can really play both sides. Can't he? Yeah. I mean, what also, don't forget, I mean, if Messi arrives, then he can forget about it. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> Messi, yeah, that's a good point. Messi's yeah. going to be playing on the right if he does arrive. I think Torres will say, um, can, uh, can I, you know, can I go to Dortmund, actually? Because um, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not willing to compete with him. <laughs> that's brilliant. No, I almost I almost forgot about Messi when we were talking about, <laughs> talking about him then. But, um, so I guess yeah. we move on to uh, Matt Doherty. Um, now, obviously, he's a very, very popular FPL asset at Wolves. Um, but now he's obviously he's at Spurs. So, I mean, Josh, you know, do you, are you still interested in Doherty while he's at Spurs or do you think it's a downgrade for him? Um, I think it's an interesting move. And I think judging by the way that Mourinho played last season with how far forward Aurier got, almost like a like a right midfielder when they were in possession and, and obviously against non-toxic non top six teams he obviously parks the bus a little bit more against top six teams um i think that Doherty would be great for them i think he'd be a great fpl asset where i'm concerned is just spurs's fixture list at the start with the europa league qualifiers with carabao cup games and then i think the other thing is 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 with with Doherty how he played for Wolves and how, you, you know, Aurier's numbers stack up against that. And I think that the way that it looks to me is that Aurier creates, created a lot more chances than Doherty, Doherty did for Wolves last season. But Doherty gets a lot more goal, has a lot more goal threat because he's getting in a lot more positions in, in the box, having a lot more uh, shots on goal. So I think you'll probably lose some of the goal threat, but gain some assist threat. It's, I think he's definitely, definitely going to be in the, you know, top five, six defenders and, and definitely want to keep your eye on. I don't think I'll start the season with him, though. Yeah, you basically got written down what I had. I put, I've got down more assists, less goals. Dean, um, with Aurier, do you have any news around him? Do you think he's going to stay at Tottenham or could no, move no. beyond the cards? Yeah, no, they're trying to offload him. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the problem they've had with Aurier is that uh, Tottenham wanted 
20 million pound for Aurier and um, nobody's been willing to go near that. AC Milan have been the most interested club. Um, they don't have 20 million pounds to spend on a right back. So there's a bit of um, bartering trying to go on at the moment. Um, but there's there's not really a future for Aurier at Tottenham. They, they've got no role for him. They're trying to find a buyer. Um, so I wouldn't have Aurier in your team. How did Doherty go so cheap if they want 20 million for Aurier? Was there something else behind that? or? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I think um, there was no one else that was really in, in for it, to be honest. Um, this, this, this kind of came out of the blue for for them. Um, Wolves, I don't think, were expecting to lose him. And then I know 15 million seems like um, quite cheap, doesn't it, these days in, in Premier League transfers. I think it's actually only yeah. 12 million up front. But from Doherty's point of view, you know, he wants, he wants to try himself at a new club, a new push to a new level, you know, um, play for Mourinho and I think that for Wolves from what I heard you know they possibly think that they've seen the best of him you know like how much better could he really get than he's than he's been for Wolves and and from Doherty's point of view I'd, I'd have to say like are Wolves ever going to be as good as they were last season like it's going to be really hard to match that I mean it might help them that they're not playing European football like they were last season but at the same time I think that I think the Wolves players will start to to wonder what's coming next, and I think the club have to have to show real ambition now and make a big signing. I know they're trying to do that. You know, they're, they're trying to get a couple of big names in this summer to try and persuade the likes of Jimenez to stay and not jump ship. But um, I think Doherty just decided that it's time for something new. It makes you wonder if Traore is going to play at right back, or if they're actually going to try and you know, tr- try and sign a replacement for Doherty. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think that that definitely um, watch out for Wolves build up because to the new season because they definitely have, have tried that that Traore role as a wing back before, and I think that um, I'm not sure what's Traore's value. Do you know? It's six million, I think. Six um, million. I mean, you know, if, if he's playing there, and, no, six point five. Beg your pardon. Six point five. It's still not bad, is it? You know, I, I think that might be one to start to consider for sure. Yeah, it could, could well be. So we'll just move on to William now. So going back to you, Josh, I mean, what do you think about William? Obviously, he's moved from your beloved Chelsea to Arsenal. He's priced at eight million. So, you know, it's quite expensive. And I assume he's not on penalties or set pieces anymore. I mean, would you be looking at William? I was quite intrigued to see what his price was. And I think if he'd have come in at, at sort of seven, seven and a half, maybe it'd been a little bit more tempting. But... I think at that price, it's not it's not great when you've only got to spend another 0.5 and you've got um, Mares or, or Pulisic. Um, I think he'll do well. Um, I'm very intrigued to to see what position he plays. Whether he he's you know whether they trial him in a a number ten role, a bit more central, or or, uh, or or whether he's on the right and he's just competing with Pepe and Saka and stuff. I think I think it'd be great for them, but. Um, I don't think he'll be on pens, and I think free kicks. It's quite a lot of competition there. Um, you've obviously, you know, Pepe's a bit of a set piece specialist. David Luiz likes the odd one. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, not for me, and definitely not at that price. Brilliant, brilliant. We we move on um, to save a bit of time. So we've got Eze Dean. He's obviously signed for Crystal Palace from QPR. Obviously, mm-hmm. he tore up the championship last year. I mean, what do you think about him? Priced just six million. Yeah, he's a brilliant player. He really is. And that's an unbelievable signing for Crystal Palace. Um, what I would actually say is, I mean, I've, I've got quite a good contact at Crystal Palace and 
he said from Eze's first training session, what what was noticeable was um, Wilfred Zaha was almost seemed jealous because Eze, you know, uh-huh. he's, he's really, really good on the ball and he's got some tricks in his locker and all the rest of it. And they said that it, it seems to have brought out like another, you know, another level from Zaha almost because he doesn't want to be overshadowed. Look, I'm not saying there's going to be a rivalry between the two, but I think it, it might force Zaha to be like, hang on, hang on, I'm the star of this team. Um, and Zaha's always one of those players that you think, oh, he's good, he's good value for my team, and I'll get him, he'll get assists and goals. But he goes through spells and seasons, doesn't he, where he just disappears and then suddenly he turns up and he's a game changer and you think, why didn't I even have him? Uh, but you, the reason you often don't have Zaha is because you can't rely on him. But maybe, maybe this is this is what they needed. Zaha wanted to leave Crystal Palace, and there aren't, there haven't been the offers that he wanted. There's still a chance he leaves, to be honest, because um, there are a few clubs outside of the Premier League that are interested, and he might have a chance to go to another country. So we'll have to see what turns out there. But yeah, I think with Eze, he's he's a brilliant player. Definitely um, keep an eye on him in the opening weeks to see what kind of role he's playing and how many minutes he's getting. But also, you know, it's worth bearing in mind that it might bring out a, a new new life in Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I like him a lot. And I, 14 goals, eight assists last season. He, you know, he really did tear it up. I, I thought Zaha might be leaving. So, you know, that's that's brilliant if he stays. I mean, do you know anything about Brewster as well? Because obviously if they have them as, you know, the, the front three, Eze, Zaha and Brewster, um, it could be a bit more inspiring than Benteke, for example. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one with Brewster because he's he's got loads of offers right now. Like there's eight teams who in the Premier League who want to take him on loan. Wow! Um, wow! Yeah, there's, there's been so much interest. He's had three three or four clubs in the Championship have offered him uh, the chance to go on a season-long loan. He doesn't want to go back to the Championship, is what I was told. He, he wants to stay in the Premier League. He feels that he's now at the point where he can go stay in the Premier League and score goals. So he's got a basically work out whether he's got any sort of role at Liverpool or whether he needs to go out on loan and I think that the coming week will probably be when those discussions really kick on and, and whether they look for a, a home for for Brewster or, or whether he's given time I, I would imagine he'll probably go on loan I think every FPL manager wants him yeah. to go on loan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He would be yeah. an absolute bargain if he t- even if he turned up at West Brom and he, you know, he was their million. first choice striker ahead of, you know, Charlie Austin and Robson Carnu. That would be, you know, a great, great uh, player to sit there and, uh, you know, 4.5 million in your, in your squad. It would be absolutely yeah. incredible. Although everyone will have him, so it would be a bit boring. <laughs> True, <yeah>. but... <laughs> now, um, Josh, I know you've been researching Rodrigo for most of the afternoon. Would that be right? Or... <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was, in, I was in the gym this morning and I thought, you know, I, I went on the athletic and I saw there was a... Some new podcasts out, and I, I thought there was, and uh, the Leeds United podcast had done one on Rodrigo. I thought yeah, I'll give that a go, something different. I'd gone through a lot of FPL, um, you know, podcasts recently and whatnot. So, um, yeah, interesting, really, really interesting signing. Um, Twenty-seven million, obviously. I think it's the most money they've spent since they bought Rio Ferdinand, which seems like light years ago. But it's the same Rodrigo that played for Bolton. I don't know if you remember him um, years ago uh, in the Premiership, um, but I thought to myself, we can't judge um, Spanish players who used to play for Bolton in the Premiership because Marcus Alonso did the same, turned up at Chelsea, and um, 
well, you know, he's been incredible in FPL over uh, over recent seasons. So, um, so no, he looks he looks interesting. Um, his um, his XG is is pretty poor, um, similar to obviously Bamford, who is going to be competing with for that um, sort of you know number number nine role. Um, so he underperformed his his XG for Valencia last season. He only scored four for them in the league as well. You know, not setting off fireworks in that sense, but he's a Spain international, and I think. You know, obviously Bielsa knows what he wants a lot for his for his team, and he obviously sees something in Rodrigo. Dean, have you have you have you watched him play much for Valencia? Yeah, I've seen quite a bit of him. Yeah, actually went to one. I saw him live actually last season at Valencia game. Um, he's a good player. He is a good player. I've, I'm not sure how many goals he'll get. And one of his problems last season was injuries. He, he missed quite a lot of the season. Um, he was in and out with with different issues um, two or three times in the season. He was he missed, you know, a fair few games. So it's quite a lot more to spend on someone that, that has had that problem. He's a really good footballer and he, he really connects play well. He doesn't always score that many goals. I, I, I don't think I'll be picking him, put it that way. You know, I, I do like him as a footballer, but as an FPL asset, playing for a team that's just been promoted, uh, no, I think no. I'll be steering clear. Yeah. I don't think he's guaranteed he's going to play the number nine role either, and I'd expect him to come in as a as a forward on FPL. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he plays on the left or the right, yeah. you know, to incorporate him and Bamford in the team. So we move on to well transfers we could see before the deadline. I have to go straight back to you, Dean, and ask about Messi. Um, obviously, there's not much that needs to be said about him, but what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean he. In his mind, he's left Barcelona. Um, that's what I'm told. You know, I, I've got two people I speak to that are very close to this situation. Um, one of them is the guy that broke the story about Messi, and he tells me that you know Messi won't be playing for Barcelona again. Like he says, you know, it's he said this. This isn't just a, a political play. This isn't a, a push for a new contract or a new president or anything else. This is. This is Lionel Messi deciding that enough's enough and he's going to go somewhere else and try and win trophies. And I mean, that's obviously mad and it's hard to believe. Um, I think the problem obviously right now that everyone's talking about is his release clause. Um, He's got this 700 million euros release clause, um, which isn't, you know, that's that's not realistic. You know, that's people, Spanish teams put these stupid clauses in and, and they're not they're not often met. If you think. Cristiano Ronaldo had a 1 billion euro release clause. <laughs> yeah, um, and he ended up joining Juventus for 100 and something. So don't pay too much attention to that. You know, Messi is gettable at probably, you know, 130 million, 100 something like that. And all it takes is one of Man City's big, big sponsors to, to put extra cash in or, I don't know, one of a boot sponsor, a club sponsor, kit sponsor to, to say, here's, here's the fund, go and do it. And, for Messi as well, you know, joining Man City is a path into MLS. You know, he's he's going to end up, you know, from what I believe, playing in America um, before he retires. Um, and if that's the case, then Man City makes perfect sense because he goes to Man City and then they've got a sister club in MLS and NYCFC and it's all, it's all mapped out for him. Um, I think that, you know, if Messi's going to go anywhere, he has to go somewhere where he's at least got some protection he's got at least got some understanding of the situation he's going into and for that reason Pep Guardiola is the only man that I see I see managing him and having the president you know the owners there people that he knows you don't think PSG have got a chance at all 
No, I don't think PSG are in it. No, I don't. I, I don't think PSG are in it. I think at another time they they would have been. I don't, this moment in time, PSG just just can't do this, and he's not going there. No, I think I really do think it's Man City or nothing. That's mad. I mean, I just can't imagine Messi in the Premier League. Um, I mean, I, I feel like with F- and FPL wise, he'd break the game. What's his value going to be? And like you know, I saw I saw a, a meme the other day. Someone just put in 4.5 million players across their whole team and just leave the space <laughs> for Messi to arrive. You'd <laughs> so have to. You and we wouldn't have chats every week about who you're going to captain. It would just be messy. You every might get someone, single yeah, person. It would. You might get someone being contrarian, but I imagine they're quickly... They quickly change their mind after you know Messi scores a hat trick. I mean, I mean, just looking, last season wasn't even a, a great season for him, but you know, 35 goals and 24 assists in 48 games. I mean, it's it's you know it's ridiculous. Like, I know. It makes like, me laugh because you know a few of my friends and stuff on WhatsApp, so I've seen saying, um, oh yeah, but it wouldn't be the same over here. You know, people will just kick him and stuff. It's like. You can't kick people anymore. You get sent off. You know, you can't do exactly. anything like that anymore. So you, Messi can't be kicked up in the air. He can't, you know, Burnley can't just, you know, think, oh, we'll get Messi out the game in the first 10 minutes. We'll just break his leg or whatever you're thinking. Like, that's the way that people are talking is that's what would happen if he plays against these types of team. And like, you know, La Liga have these sorts of teams as well that aren't just like playing pretty football. You know, there are there are teams there that, that are very physical and it's not going to be a new thing for Messi to be targeted in a football match. You know, he's, he's come up against that for a long time now. It's just that he is way, way better than everybody else. And you cannot get near him no matter how much you try. He doesn't even run anymore. He doesn't run. He just walks around the pitch and you still can't get close to him. Yeah. You're getting me really excited to, for him to come <laughs> over. Now I'm going to be, I'm going to be disappointed if he, you know, if he, if he doesn't come over. We'll move on to Sancho. So Jaden Sancho. We got a question from Rob Stack, first of all, for you, Dean. Now he's saying it's been reported Man United have had to deal with a Borussia Dortmund agent in the Sancho deal rather than speaking to the club directly. Now he wants to know if this is a new way of operating when it comes to transfers, and if so, do you think it would become the norm? Um, it's true, and it's it's not completely abnormal for for you know, a third party to be involved. What What is strange is that Man United didn't expect it to be the case. Man United thought they would speak, be speak, dealing directly with Borussia Dortmund and it's not happening. You know, um, Ed Woodward and Matt Jarger, who were the two transfer negotiators, are having to deal with somebody else in between trying to talk to Dortmund and it's been really frustrating for them. The price, you know, they don't want to pay what, what Dortmund are talking about. They feel that there are agent fees potentially driving this deal upwards from 100 million and they, they're not sure. You know, they've been burned before on this. Think of Alexis Sanchez and, you know, they, they cannot have a repeat of that. Not that they think Jaden Sancho is going to flop like that, but, you know, they were really, really caught out on Sancho in terms of wages and fees and all the rest of it. And they, they don't want to be going down that path again. So... It's this has really dragged on, and you know, about a month ago now, I was people were really playing it up, and I was told by someone at Man United, look, don't go overboard with this. There is a, there is a chance it doesn't happen, just because of the the way that negotiations are playing out, and so it's been frustrating for Man United um, to the way that the transfer has been dealt with. It's been dealt with publicly as well, which has frustrated United. You know, Dortmund have had certain journalists playing this out on, on Twitter and stuff and United have then had to kind of play them at their own game and, and feed out stories which they would rather not be doing but you've probably noticed in the last two weeks that that hasn't happened and it's all gone quiet and that's because they 
both clubs are now just negotiating, you know, a bit more behind closed doors and trying to edge closer towards an agreement. So um, it seems like they're, they're both playing a bit happier in that sense now. United still not given up on signing Jadon Sancho, but at the same time, they are aware that they need depth in this squad and they, they can't just be focusing on Sancho, which is why other names are, are still going to be in the mix. I guess they must be quite glad this whole Messi saga has come out because I guess that's taken the limelight because it was all about <laughs> Sancho, wasn't it, a couple of weeks ago? And now it's obviously switched yeah. to the other side of Manchester. But Josh, so w- if Sancho signs, that would affect Greenwood massively, wouldn't it? I think as, yeah, as an I asset in FPL. I mean, presuming you play on the right, yeah, I think it would. Um, I think Greenwood's a great, great option at 7.5. But I think, if, yeah, if Sancho, if Sancho came in, I think it'd make him almost... I mean, he'd, he'd be... He'd be Foden, but but probably not even as uh, as attractive as Foden, really, in terms of the game time that you could see him getting. So Messi, yeah, so Messi and Sancho could ruin ruin Greenwood and and Foden as assets, but I guess we'll have to to wait and see. Um, I mean, Dean, um, are there any other you know transfers that we could see before the deadline that you're excited about? There are loads, and I think it's you know you think about the fact that the the transfer window um, has been pushed into the season. You know, we're we're going to be dragging over into October. Um, and I think that that's something for everybody to consider as well. Josh, I know you were talking about last week about your your second week wild card, and I'd say that I can totally see why people were considering that. And I was, you know, myself, I'm considering like game week three or four. But the thing that puts me off it is that these clubs have got until October the fifth or whatever it is to make signings, and a lot of clubs are going to leave it late to make signings. And you know, if if a Jaden Sancho or Kai Havertz, well, I mean, Kai Havertz is nearly done, so it, it, that shouldn't be an issue. But there, there are some deals that could run on later in the window. Um, yeah, look, Havertz, that, that, that's one that, that will get over the line. And, and Chelsea will have another one through the door. Um, Donny van der Beek at Man United, he, they've had an eye on him for a long time. They've decided, you know, they looked at James Madison and Jack Grealish and then Seem to have decided on Van der Beek. They looked at Jude Bellingham as well, of course. They came pretty close to that, but didn't get any of them done. Van der Beek will be a good player, but I don't think somebody you want to be looking at for FPL reasons. Doesn't seem to have the kind of numbers that you'd be looking for. Thiago, Bayern Munich, you know, that that is somebody that Liverpool need to get through the door. I think that Jurgen Klopp, I, I personally think, and from what I've heard from a couple of people, he was he was upset about Werner, but but let it go. If they don't get Thiago either, and these other clubs are signing big names, then suddenly Jurgen Klopp might might start to get a little bit fidgety and, and start to lose his cool a little bit. So I think I think while Klopp doesn't normally put pressure on to make signings, he might have to to make sure that Thiago leaves. And let's be honest, like Thiago has clearly had word that Liverpool were interested in him, otherwise he wouldn't have publicly come out and made basically made it clear that's where he was going like not, not many players do that um so I think that the fact that that's happened is interesting um if not you know we'll, we'll wait and see if if it happens sooner or, or later James Rodriguez to Everton that's, that's quite far down the line and is is quite an attractive option for FPL, and I've I've always wanted Hammers in the Premier League to see what he'd do. The problem is Everton sign players like this all the time, and they never seem to do the kind of numbers that you think. I mean, I've had Iwobi in my team, I've had Walker, I've had Sigurdsson, I've had I've had all of them, I think, at some point, and they they just never give me the kind of 
points that I expect. I mean, I don't know what you guys would be thinking about somebody like Hamez or, or what you even think of ever, any Everton as, assets right now. I, I don't think I can go near Everton, to be honest. Well, I think that would ruin um, Sigurdsson for Josh, because I, mean, I know Josh was looking quite heavily at, at Siggy the other day. So Yeah, I think I think he's an interesting one. I think Richarlison is set for a good season. Dominic Calvert-Lewin looked great last season. I think they start off with good fixtures. So, yeah, if, if, if James Rodriguez came into the Premiership, you know, maybe not from the start, but I definitely think he'd be one we'd all be keeping an eye on, subject to his price and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. I think, yeah, a name like that, I think that would attract a lot of managers to bring him in because, like you said, it's, he's a player I guess a lot of us have wanted to see in the Premier League for quite a long time. And, I mean, he's still the right side of 30, isn't he? I think he is anyway. So, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and I'd say just other ones to look out for that aren't really being spoken about um, heavily in FPL terms in terms of what they might bring. But there's Gabriel, who's going to be coming into Arsenal, and I think he's going to make actually quite a big difference to their defence. He's a left-footed centre-back um, who is is very good, but he also likes to play long balls, um, kind of like David Luiz, which you know will kind of be the first stage of their attack at times. So I, I think that. Uh, we've seen in Arteta a new structure coming through at Arsenal that's actually quite impressive. And I think that there is going to be more temptation to bring in Arsenal defenders than there might have been in the past. Do you think um, that, like, um, do you think he'll um, play alongside Saliba? Or do you think, think part of back a, three. I think yeah, with three. Louise yeah. and Saliba. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> that means Tierney should play on the left, which is obviously Tierney what... Tierney on the left, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, like Maitland-Niles from, from, you know, his little performance the other day, and I know that there is definitely, you know, a chance that he leaves, but there's also a really strong chance he doesn't leave. He doesn't want to leave, and I think that there are people at Arsenal who don't want him to leave, and if he doesn't, I think he becomes a pretty good asset, because I think he will get games. So that that could be an interesting one as well. And the other one I'd say, sorry, just to look out for, um, is Koulibaly. You know, this is one that would be a late deal, uh, you know, after Josh's second week, Wildcard, possibly. Koulibaly going to Man City, possibly even Chelsea. As they're still sniffing around it. They, they might not be finished just yet with all their spending. Koulibaly going into Man City would be a game changer for me. And I'd, I'd have to start looking again at not only Man City winning the league, but which Man City players I'm going to be getting in, in my team. Am I just going to be looking at the clean sheets they're going to be holding up? Or is it? Just to make it in those forward players. Makes the like, likes of Laporte, you know, interesting yeah. again. Yeah, exactly. Can I ask what you think of Cancelo? Because we, I mentioned him briefly last week. I mean, have you, uh, maybe you've seen a bit more of him, you know, in, in Italy, for example, before he signed for City. But do you think he's in Pep's long-term plans? No, I don't. No. I don't. I don't. I, it just it just doesn't seem to settle anywhere very well, Cancelo, and I, I'm not sure what it is. You know, he's a, he's a great player, and you know, he, he came through looking like a really good prospect uh, from Portugal. But you know, he's had he's had a lot of clubs in the last few years. You know, he's he's gone from Valencia to Inter Milan to Juve to Man City, and he's he's just not fi- doesn't seem to be finding a home anywhere. That that would be my concern. You know. Maybe he's more settled now. Maybe that that's he just needs to be settled, I think. Um, and I just haven't seen that yet. He's played left back, wasn't he? A bit but towards the end of um, yeah. the season. It'd be interesting yeah. to see who makes that left back role their own. If it's, you know, Zinchenko, Mendy, or even maybe Nathan Aki plays yeah. uh, there. 
Yeah, and then that's why I wonder because that he did look good at the end of the season, but I mean it's a great point on on not settling. So mm. I guess guess it, I had to ask, I had to ask because I've, I've put him in a couple of my draft teams to be honest. How much is he? Uh, uh, yeah, he's five point five. I think you know, yeah. it's, it's, I think if he gets the game time, yeah, he's great. Um, in terms of attacking wise, he's you know he, he looks like he could be maybe not quite peak. Mendy, but he definitely looked like he could be as good as or better than Walker going forward. Yeah, I don't know. If he's not in, yeah. If he's not in Pep's thoughts, then you know. It's just hard to say, isn't it? For, you know, if he's not going to, you don't know if he's, it's going to be one of the every week you're going to be scared he's not going to play. Yeah, that's exactly. the worry. Yeah, go with Laporte and uh, sleep at night. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, we had a question from FPL Rodney, and he was just asking Dean, who in God's name will Man United be signing? And who he reckons Wolves will go after now their best defender has joined Spurs. So I think we covered that already. Thanks for the question, Rodney. So now we're going to move um, quickly on to the promoted teams. Obviously, Dean, Dean's a Fulham fan. Josh wanted to cover Leeds. And so I've been left with West Brom. Um, so we'll go to you first, Josh, because uh, I know you've been listening to podcasts on Leeds all day. So um, what are your thoughts? I think they're really exciting. Um, I'm really, really happy to have them back in the Prem. I like big football clubs um you know in the top league it feels good i think there's you know some good assets to look at there so i think you know the two that everyone's probably been speaking about most have been the fullbacks um ailing and dallas um i think they both look interesting i think ailing's probably more nailed on the uh, on the right hand side whereas i think dallas has got a bit more um, competition from Douglas on the left-hand side. Goalkeeper situation is a bit unclear. Centre-back-wise, I think um, they've signed that new guy, Cock, who's come in, who's going to essentially play Ben White's role from last season, who they're not going to be able to get from, from Brighton. And then you've got the midfield's a bit of a minefield. I don't really think there's anyone particularly standing out there. And then up front, um, there's Bamford, who I think personally is coming in at a good price at 5.5. But the question mark is whether he can cut it in the Premiership. And then Rodrigo, who we mentioned earlier, as to whether he will compete with Bamford or potentially play um, on one of the wings. Um, but I think, yeah, I think they're really exciting. I, I think they'll be similarish to a Wolves, Sheffield United, um, you know, very hard working, pressing, good system, good structure. I think obviously Bielsa is a fantastic manager. Um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely the one of the three that I'm most excited about. Hence why I was uh, eager to uh, to cover them, as you said. You were, uh, you were eager to tell us their new signings' name as well, weren't you, Josh? Well, Rodrigo, you mean? Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> God, I'm slow I'm there, sorry. Yeah, you are. Never mind. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so I looked at West Brom. Spent quite a lot of time looking at West Brom, to be honest. And I guess the main thing really is, you know, they're not the same West Brom they were under Pulis, you know, when they kept 16 clean sheets back in 2014. Um, you know, they they very nearly didn't even get promoted, you know, after, you know, they were pretty much, when lockdown was happening, they were pretty much locked on to get promoted with Leeds. But Right at the end, you know, they went on that winless run of four games. And, you know, if Brentford hadn't lost the last two games, they would have, you know, had that lottery at the playoffs. Clean sheet wise, um, they were seventh in the championship with 14 and only 22% of um, clean sheets at home, which I found quite, quite unusual. Their fixtures aren't great. They're against established Premier League teams. So we've got Leicester, Everton, Chelsea, Southampton and Burnley. 
Um, so defensively, I mean, their goalkeeper used to play for Man United. Um, he's only 4.5 million. So, you know, I've got no problem chucking him in and, you know, seeing how he does. Uh, GIE scored, what, five goals last season, centre-back. But he's been priced at 5 million. So I think he's a bit out of the question. The, the interesting one's O'Shea, because obviously the end of last season, you know, he really started playing. He got a call up to the Repu- Republic of Ireland squad. And he actually scored three goals in 16 games from fullback. So, I mean, he could be one to look at, but I wouldn't go starting with any of these West Brom players. Dean Garner, it looks like, you know, we mentioned him last week. I mean, it looks like he's, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dean, that he probably is going to be staying at West Ham or there's not much chance he's going to go to go to West Brom. No, yeah, uh, that's the point. Yeah. So, I mean, he was very, very good player when he wasn't injured last season. So Pereira is the, the their best player, their talisman. Since most assists in the championship with 16. And obviously he was their player of the season as well. Charlie Austin, Hal Robson, Carnu, they're 5.5 million each. And I mean, they were sharing game time. They didn't start, you know, they're having a lot of cameos off the bench. So unless they sign a striker, I think the only player I'd look at is Pereira. I mean, Dean, is there any truth? Do you know in the Troy Deeney and Watkins rumours? Yeah, Troy Deeney is is um, is one they're definitely looking at. I've, I've heard that from somebody quite quite close to it um, who I trust. So I think that there's um, something in there. I think that you know it doesn't surprise me at all that that Troy Deeney um, would be looking to move right now. And I think you know West Brom seems like like a decent fit um, at this stage. I don't think it's gone that far. I think they. They have quite a restricted transfer budget, I think. So they're trying to do a loan deal um, with a view to, to something further along the line. So we'll have to wait and see whether Watford are open to that. It'd be a big upgrade on Austin and Robson Carney. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've got, I'm obviously being a Reading fan, I've got, I, I'm not a fan of Carney. He, was, he wasn't good for us, but then he decided to run his contract down and score a wonder goal for Wales. And I mean, just him wearing number four as well. It just, uh, I don't know, as a striker, it just, it, it just kind of irritates me. You don't um, like a bit of uh, Charlie Austin nostalgic pick. I know you do, but it, it's just the fact that I mean he had 18 starts and 16 sub appearances last year. Oh, no, um, he's, he's getting on a bit, but yeah. he was he's, he was great the last time he was in the Prem as an FPL asset. I, li- I liked him when he was at QPR as an FPL asset. You know, I thought yeah, he was fantastic. Sure. Um, and, and Southampton, he wasn't too bad either. No, he wasn't too bad, but I, th- I think it's time to let go, Josh. I think um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't be starting with Charlie Austin. Or Robson Carnu in my team. Neither will I, if I'm honest. No. So, I mean, that's my roundup of West Brom. Um, I've just tried to cram everything in as quickly as possible. But, yeah, there's not many I fancy, to be honest. And I don't want to cause offence to West Brom fans. But for me, Pereira would be the only one I'd even consider. And it's more wait and see for me. So, um, we move over to the Fulham fan. So, um, Dean, congratulations on promotion, first of all. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it's very exciting (laughs) and very unexpected. I have to say, I didn't think Fulham would get over the line. I think it's worth bearing in mind that Scott Parker manages this team very much like the way he played the game himself. So it's safety first, you know. It's um, Fulham would be about a lot about possession, a lot about being solid, um, and then trying to nick results as and when they feel it's possible. Um, Scott Parker's done a great job with Fulham. He's, you know, one year as a manager, um, brilliant to get promoted. He, he did really well. And I'm excited about what he might do long term if they, if they stick keep faith with him. Short term, I think it's going to be really difficult for Fulham. You know, they're, they're trying to make signings quite quickly. It's going to be difficult to quickly transition those players into the team, a team that has just been promoted. 
And as a result of all this, I, I don't think there are too many Fulham players that you're going to be looking at having in your team. The one that almost everyone talks about is Mitrovic, which is completely understandable. You know, he was um, far and away, you know, the best striker, I believe, in the championship last season. Um, wasn't actually Fulham's player of the year, to be honest with you. Harrison Reed was in midfield. Nevertheless, he did, he did score a lot of goals. He got 26 goals in 40 championship games. But I think a lot of people don't seem to have realised that Mitrovic is injured. <laughs> he he played on basically one leg. He came on in the playoff final and, you know, could barely run. Um, you know, you saw even when Fulham scored, you know, he was trying to join in and took about five minutes to, to get to where everybody else was. Fulham played a friendly against MK Dons a couple of days ago. Mitrovic didn't feature in that game. Um, I've been off work for the last week, so I actually haven't checked out like his actual situation. So I can't offer quite the insight that I normally would be able to on that one. But all I would say really is to people is like, yeah, absolutely. If Mitrovic is fit, then at six million, get him in your team and probably just set and forget because he'll score 15 goals in the Premier League next season, I believe. You know, Fulham are going to score goals. It's Mitrovic that will get most of them. But there is a possibility he's not playing at the start of the season. Dean, on the uh, on the flip side, people looking at captaining um, Aubameyang game week one, obviously yeah, for, go for the, uh, go reckon? Yeah, uh, it's a good you, move. Are you better defensively than last time though? Like last time you were in the Premier League? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, we've got Michael Hector now, so Michael Hector is yeah. really transformed Fulham defensively, and he's he's definitely solidified things. Like Tim Ream is not a Premier League defender, you know, he was, he was struggling to be one last time around. He's, he's not one anymore. But I think Fulham will, you know, Fulham are trying to make signings that, that make sure that we don't have to pick players that aren't up to standard this time around. And at the fullback positions, you know, Fulham, you know, Joe Bryan was our, our hero of the playoff final, you know, getting the goals, very worrying defensively. They've even signed a new left back from, from Wigan, Robinson. At, um, we'll have to wait and see how he fits in. And then at right back, you know, at the moment, the options are Dennis Adoy and Cyrus Christie. And that gives you no, not a lot of faith either. So Fulham, are re- teams are going to get at Fulham. And to be honest, the prospect of playing Arsenal on the opening day terrifies me. Um, <laughs> you know, you see the kind of format Bamiang's been in, in, in in the opening game of this season. And now he finished last season. I kind of feel like he's going to have a field day, to be honest. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, he's probably going to be my captain, I think. It's, for me, it'll be out of him. And I mean, him and Salah are, are really what I'm weighing up. They're both going to be in my midfield. And you know, Salah's only really because they've got leads at home. Like That's why I'm considering mm. him. Um, on form, I wouldn't be picking him. It's just that he just probably going to score a couple but it's him or Mane isn't it or him and Mane if you want to yeah. if you want to go for uh, go for so. you know, both of them and, and Aubameyang but I think I'm, I'm gradually warming to Aubameyang to start off with I was like oh no Liverpool love Liverpool at home and as sort of time's gone on and you know I started to think okay this is basically still the Fulham defence you know I mean you, yeah. you mentioned Cyrus Cyrus Christie um, <laughs> a minute ago yeah. I don't really, you know, that says it all, really. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult one. I mean, you think like the, you know, Fulham played Man City back in January in the FA Cup and got smashed 4-0. And, you know, the side that played that day obviously isn't going to be the side that, that walks out for this game. But it 
half of it probably will be. And it's just that mentality with Fulham playing against these big clubs that, that does worry me a bit. I'm not sure how quickly Scott Parker can get the players ready for, for Premier League football. Um, so, yeah, as much as it pains me to say it, I think that you really do have to look at look at Arsenal options for, for this. And I've, I'm even considering Saka, to be honest, at 5.5. You know, we'll have to see what happens over the next week or so and, and whether he looks like he's going to be a starter. But could be, couldn't he? You know, yeah, he's a I'm, great player, isn't he? The so thing with good. Saka is, yeah, he could, but he seems to be, because he's so versatile, you never quite know where he's going to play. I mean, he could play, you know, obviously, various positions, couldn't he? But yeah. it'd be very interesting to see where William fits in first, because you'd imagine you'd have thought William would go straight in first game if he's, you know, fit and available. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think William, that they're, they're going to move William around, and you know, I was told by somebody at Arsenal when they started chasing William, I didn't really understand it. And they said they do see him as like a 10. They, they see him as playing like off the front man, really, like a, the role Mesut Ozil should, should be playing. Mm. Um, when he's not playing Fortnite. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, Saka at 5.5, I've got him in at the moment, just mainly because of that value and the fact that those first couple of games, one, he, you know, Fulham and West Ham, I think he'll get game time. And I think they're both clubs that he could, you know, get an assist with. You know, he got an assist for Aubameyang. I know it was a, a long distance assist um, the other day, but he did get one. And I just think he's got that creativity that kind of excites me for that kind of money. And when you, there's so many big money midfielders, isn't there? You're trying to get in and just trying to figure out the format of your team at the moment. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Aubameyang, um, and it might make you feel better as a Fulham fan, he does tend to, that Norwich game aside, when he when you think he's going to score, uh, when you think he's going to, you know, haul, he does have a tendency to let people down. So mm. there, there might be no logic in it. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, the phrase flat track bully comes to mind and he doesn't seem True. to be one of those. But The other thing is uh, Arsenal's away form. I mean, recent seasons, I know they're under Arteta and they're, they're starting to look a lot better now, but their away form has been abysmal. It's been That's all true. about their results at, um, at the Emirates. That's true. Yeah, That's true. I mean, if ever there was a team that was going to, kind of thrive without their own fans it was going to be Arsenal wasn't it because it's poisonous anytime their own fans are there they seem to hate them most of the time so uh, as soon as it went behind closed doors I thought oh Arsenal might do quite well here because they're not they haven't got to worry about their own fans hollering at them every time they make a mistake quite a lot of the time to be true like they, they've got a bit of freedom now these Arsenal players and I think um, they, they might have won over a few of their own fans yeah so they can they can relax a bit so yeah. um, I guess t- talking about relaxing I guess it's time for the Iceman's Piss. Welcome back, listeners. We're going to move on to the community questions now. So the first one we've got is from FPL Wilson. He's asking thoughts on no Liverpool attackers. So, uh, Josh, would you go without any Liverpool attackers? Game week one, it's not an easy game at home to Leeds. They're going to be bang up for it. And they're obviously good defensively. Um, 
But yeah, I'd have to have one of them, Salah or Mane. My preference is always Mane. I absolutely love him. I think he's a great player. Um, but I know that you know the majority will go with Salah. I think you need one. I don't think yeah. I don't think you need to go for both of them though. No, I can understand that. And what about you, Dean? Well, I've got to have Salah because I've, I haven't had him for the last eighteen months, and he's absolutely killed me. So I, I don't want him. I actually don't want him, but he's in my team. Um, <laughs> And it's just out of fear and nothing else. You know, he didn't play well the other day. I'm still, you know, this season, I, I do feel like Liverpool are going to have some sort of burnout with that front three. Um, I guess, the, I just think, especially because it's Leeds, like they might have been good defensively in the championship, but there's every chance that Liverpool give them an absolute tonkin on the opening day. And if you haven't got one of those Liverpool forwards, then you're going to be playing catch up straight away. So I do think you have to have Salah on Mane at the start, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm going with Salah as well. I mean, I actually almost followed you last season, Dean, and um, went without any attacking players from Liverpool as well. Mm. But then I saw the Community Shield game um, last season, and Salah yeah. had about nine shots, and it just scared me. And <laughs> like, and yeah. yeah, it's it's horrible. But then, like you mentioned, he didn't play very well the other day. He only had one shot, and that was a blocked shot. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I think people could do it, but it, it's bold. It's really it's bold. Just risky just, starting yeah. tactic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It is because your season could be over before it's begun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, some people didn't have Sterling at the start of last season. He scored a hat trick, and it's, yeah, right. it's all uphill from there. Um, so and we've got a question from FPL Wolf as well. Now he's asking Robbo over Trent. So he says that Robbo looks good in pre-season. Um, what are your views? Is it worth the 0.5 difference? Um, he said that also ownership, Robbo can be a differential. Same for Mano over Salah. So Josh, how do you feel about that? So I guess stick to the Robbo versus Trent thing, really. Trent over Robbo for me. Pay the extra 0.5. Um, I think, you know, we've we've seen... You know, Robertson's great. There's, there's no doubt about it. You know, get both by all means. You know, and, and, and I'm considering it. But I think Trent will always be a better asset than Robbo. And I think the set pieces that Robertson's been on recently, I think it's a short term thing. I'm not saying he won't take any, but I think Trent will take the majority. Brilliant. And um, Dean, what do you think? I mean, do you think the burn? You mentioned the burnout with the with the front three. I mean, do you think it could affect them at the back as well? Almost like you know, going throughout the whole team and performing less well. I don't think so. No, I mean, the front three have been like nonstop for three years now, whatever it is. And I think Trent, particularly, you know, looks still, you know, when he's fully fit, he, he still looks awesome. So, I mean, there is some concern, obviously, over whether he is fully fit for that first game of the season make sure he hasn't got any problems with the injuries just had and that would be the only reason I would consider picking um, Robbo over over Trent is if there are any doubts about Trent being fit for that game um, it's the way that Klopp's talking is that Trent's going to be okay and if that's the case I mean at, right now I've got Trent in my team I have played around to see if I can get them both in and it's it's not beyond the realms that, that I try and get Robertson as well I think that Having both of those in your team for the season, you're not going to go too far wrong, probably. But if I was to pick one, I'm still sticking with Trent. Yeah, I'm on Trent as well. I mean, you mentioned the injury. I mean, that could be very, very interesting. It seems like it's not much and he's in the England squad. But, you know, if he misses if he misses that first game, it could be a little advantage to, you know, you could get Nico Williams in and then do an early wild card. So it might you know play into the strategy that me and Josh are looking at a bit more. But I, 
I guess for now it's just one to monitor, isn't it? Yeah. Um, with with Trent. But we've also got some questions this week from from Reddit. So FPL Bohemians asked, with many mid-priced midfielders getting injured in pre-season, uh, who do you fancy around the eight million pound mark? Is Saka a good option? Now I think we've already covered. You know, we had a little discussion on Saka already. Um, but thanks for the question anyway. So we've also got a question on Reddit from Roush. Now he's asking, with a big team like Chelsea, with all these new players coming in, do you think it's better to start without their players and give them time to create chemistry and associations, or their quality would stand over the lack of playtime together? So again, I think we've covered this one as well, guys, because mm. you know, I think Dean, you were saying that you want to see, you know, how they're going to line up with all these, you know, obviously all these players coming in. Yeah, yeah. I think so, and I think, I mean, one that does, I'm, if Mount's going to play, then I kind of. I'm, I'm still tempted to have Mount in my team, but I I presume Mount will start the season just because like Lampard's been able to trust him for so long and he has got to blend in these new signings. He can't just stick all five or six or seven, whoever, however many ends up signing straight into the team <laughs> from week one, can he? He's got to stick with, you know, he's stuck with youth for the year. It's got him through his first year in his job. He can't just turn his back on them all now. So, Particularly yeah. Mason. Mason Mount's his boy, isn't he? I think so, yeah. You know, I, I, I have to say that part of me is considering... Mason Mount for week one, yeah. But the others, I think it's it's just got a washing brief at the start. Do you think, because I think you mentioned earlier, because I've been making notes, because this is awesome, um, yeah. but um, you mentioned, obviously, that Havertz, he's a right-sided midfielder. So, eventually, do you think he'd replace Mount, but maybe just not straight away? Or is there yeah, room I for think, both of them? I think it's about Lampard having the depth to be able to decide which one he wants for which occasion. And mm. um, also... You know, Havertz is so versatile, honestly. Like this, this guy is—he could easily win the Ballon d'Or in the next few years. Like that's—that's not—that's not, ex- that's not wow. an exaggeration. Like Havertz is that good. He's—he's he's unbelievable. I don't know how much you guys have seen of him, but Kai Havertz is going to be a sensational signing for Chelsea. Like that—the fact that they are not having to compete for him right now um, because of the financial situation with COVID and the fact that Barcelona and Real Madrid just can't go for him right now is—is. Chelsea cannot believe their luck. Like the transfer window that they're having is beyond their wildest dreams. Like they they were planning to have a big one. They didn't think it would be as good as this. Um, the the biggest problem is going to be managing them all because Lampard's going from one extreme to another. You know, he's going from bringing through kids and, and kind of putting faith in them to managing, you know, five new players who are all brilliant. You know, and, and Do you think Havertz is um, more interesting and exciting than Werner for this season? I'm talking obviously longer term. I'm guessing, you know, with you mentioning the Ballon d'Or, then then yes, but for for, for this coming season, it's difficult to know in, in FPL terms who will be better because I'm not sure who will get the most points because if Havertz is playing a little deeper, then he won't, might not get as many goals as as Werner gets. But I, what I'd say is the the fact they're signing the pair of them is unbelievable and. This is this is a game changer for the league, and I think that it wouldn't surprise me if we're all scrambling to get both of them in our team in a few months' time. If if they manage to gel, if they manage to both take to English football like I think they can, honestly, I think we're looking at something really, really special. You're making um, it sound like it's going to be hard to know, as in we're going to have three players at some point this season. It's just going to be picking which three we have. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I'm just hoping that you know whoever does make the prices for FPL doesn't realise quite how good Havertz is. I mean, the fact he's going to be signing for £90 million means they're probably just going to stick him at you know, top end anyway. But I, I hope he's like, if he's kind of 10.5 like Kane, then, then I'll be looking to get him in. And if he's 12.5... 
which I don't think he will be because people haven't seen him. But if he was 12.5, I wouldn't get him in. But anywhere around 10, I think I'd have to just because I've seen what he's capable of. And on it, he's a magician. He's unbelievable. Oh, wow. That's some high praise. Really How are we going to fit them all in? I mean, it's, know. you know, you're talking it's about the best season ever for Chelsea fans and they can't go and watch the games. You're talking about, <laughs> you know, a double up at Chelsea. Then there's the City boys to fit in. Then there's yeah, Salah Romano. Messi, Messi. Then there's all United. Yeah, exactly. It's like Sancho to come. Yeah, we will. That, you mentioned can't that meme that. earlier. We're going to have all these 4.5 players. We're going <laughs> to have yeah. to go for Nico Williams over Trent and just, yeah. just. And your boy play. Harrison Reid at Fulham. He's 4.5 million. I get think. him in, lads. Just, uh, get him in. Yeah, he's going to be my 4.5 midfielder, I think. Top player. <laughs> Brilliant. So that's that's all the all the questions for today. So I just want to quickly run over the partner chat. So if you want to use Mikhail Tokram's algorithm, and I believe it will be back on the podcast next week, just go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. You'll be able to sign up and access that on a weekly basis. We're partnered with Fantasy Football Hub, and we've been given an exclusive sign-up code. All you have to do is go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk type in the code surgery25 and you can sign up there for 25% off and uh, we're also partnered with fpl doodles so if you go on twitter at fpl doodles one he does all the artwork for the pod um so you can if you go on twitter at fpl surgery you can see his work give him a follow um i believe he's got a website as well if you like what you've heard today, please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery. It's the best time to join the FPL surgery podcast league. Now the code for that it's 439HW9. So the code again, it's 439HW9. You can check us out at fplsurgery.com. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter at FPL surgery. Subscribe on iTunes and remember, please rate the podcast five stars or you can email us info at fplsurgery.com so dean thank you so you know so much for taking time out your busy schedule to join us today i appreciate you've just moved house you know you've got the middle of the busiest time of year for you is there any social media that our listeners can follow you on yep just don't troll me um <laughs> my, my tabloid days are behind me um but yeah i'm on uh on twitter dean jones br uh, for bleacher report um same on instagram We've got the podcast VR Football Ranks that comes out every Wednesday. Come and have a listen to that. You know, we give a lot of insight on, um, you know, guys you haven't heard playing abroad and stuff that you might not have heard yet. We'll have we'll have the next big things coming through and insight like the transfers and stuff that you've heard on here. There'll be plenty more of that coming um, on there. So yeah, come give me a follow and um, hope to have you on our pod as well soon brilliant no thanks thanks a lot dean honestly yeah this has been brilliant but you've scrambled my head a bit now i didn't realize how good some of these chelsea assets were i was just looking at Werner. i was waiting for pulisic to come back and yeah, oh, yeah. now my head's a bit scrambled but it's too, it's many, a good thing. too many ballon d'Or uh, winners to fit in yeah that's true that's <laughs> right nice problem to um so before you go dean um i've just got one final question from helmo in our slack channel now helmo finished fourth in the world in 2011 and he's asking how you pronounce scone, whether to rhyme with cone or gone. <laughs> he came fourth in the world, and this is his biggest concern right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, scone. I think that's because that's correct. I think that's why I say it that way. Maybe that's just how my mum says it, and that's how I've learned to say it. But I'm going with scone. Yeah, no, that's exactly how I pronounce it as well. What about you, Josh? Yeah, same. I'm scone. My wife's scone. So uh, we have to... We actually 
regularly just, just debate this. So, um, yeah, Helmo's not the only one. Yeah, but no, it is a very, very random question. I wasn't sure if there was like a story behind it or not, but obviously not. Thanks again for coming on. And Josh. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod.